God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. Hello, ordinary people. (laughs) I love being ordinary. In Joshua chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, this is what it says. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did this for six days. But on the seventh day, somebody say seventh day. They rose early at dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, this is very important, you all listen to this, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. But only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel and bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. That is a powerful story, but there is so much more to this than meets the eye. So much more. My encouragement to you today is if you're in this place or if you're watching online and you feel like God does not love you the day before Valentine's Day, then I've got an encouraging word for you today. If you feel like that you're unworthy, then how could God possibly love me? Well, then God has an encouraging word for you today. Welcome to being ordinary, like every one of us up here. So from last week, if you remember, I talked about Ananias, a name back in those days, very ordinary, a man who had just eight verses in the Bible dedicated to him in the book of Acts chapter 9. And we talked about how John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 27, that a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. See, we as ordinary people realize that we can't do this thing called life. And we can't live and be a powerful witness for Jesus in this life. But we know that God can through us. Amen? That nothing good, whether it's an ability, whether it's a blessing, that comes from God, only comes from Him who is in heaven, not from our own strength. So this week, what I'm going to talk about is John chapter 3, 
in verse 30, where John, if you remember, John and his disciples were looking over at Jesus as he was baptizing people, and they were concerned that Jesus was stealing the show. (laughs) And that's okay, because he was supposed to steal the show. They prepared the way for him, the Christ, the Son of God. And this is what John said to kind of quell their fear, quell their, their pride. He said, he must increase, that's Jesus, but I must decrease. And that is what we're going to focus on today. The fact that he has already increased and we need to decrease whatever is in our life, whatever is coming at us, whatever is stealing our focus, whatever is taking top priority, that needs to decrease because he has increased. So today we're going to talk about Rahab, an ordinary person in the Bible. Rahab the prostitute. I love this because God's mercy, God's love is for everyone, including Rahab, the prostitute. So with that, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for everybody that's in here and those that are watching online. Father, I thank you that we're going to experience your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your love this morning in a powerful way. Father, I just thank you that right now, this message that you've given me that has been brewing in me for the last couple of weeks, that whatever comes out of my mouth be the words that you want me to speak this morning, that people in this room and watching online have open hearts to receive and ears to hear this morning. We pray this right now in Jesus' name, amen. So about a month ago, I received a text message on a Sunday morning as I was praying. And that text message came from, from Jack, who's sitting over here to my right, your left. He was the one that came up here for prayer. And, and I was just blown away by what he said. Jack, like Ananias, like all of us, a disciple of Jesus. Although we're not in Damascus, we're here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And I asked permission of him if I could read his text message, so I'm going to read it to you, because this is not just a word I believe God gave him for me, but also for every one of us that's in here this morning. What he said, he said this, I felt compelled to pray for you in home church. First, that there is a spiritual revival underway. Oh, man. Second, that they stop and lay down the distractions of the day and focus on the mighty goodness and power and promises of the gospel. That's coming from a man, as you just learned, as you have known, has a major trial that he is walking through. That those words themselves right there, that that we would lay down our distractions. Let me tell you, he has a distraction right now, but he's willing to lay it down and focus on the power, the love, the mercy of God through the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hello, decrease. He said, I'm reminded of who God uses to accomplish his plans. He did so through people like Rahab. Unlikely people that we would likely discount. I pray that all of us would embrace who God puts in our path today without question. And that we would shine the light of Jesus on them. Amen. Amen. Out of his words, God speaking through him to me on a text message, this series came about. 
the unlikely people. That's who we are. I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care what degrees you have. I don't care who you think you are. As we're going to learn today, who you might not think you are. We're unlikely people that God wants to use for his glory. He wants us to lose our life, as we talked about two weeks ago. When Jesus said that we are to lose our life so that we can save it, but take it a step further so that we can also have our life being used to save others that need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? So what I want to go into is Joshua chapter 2. I know I had you in chapter 6. Now we're going to go to Joshua chapter 2. Everyone say with me, there's something about Rahab. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. If you have an ESV translation, the subheading says, Rahab hides the spies. So here she comes onto the scene. If we do a little bit of a, a background of what's going on, the Israelites just crossed over not too long ago over the Jordan River on dry land as God parted the Jordan River. And here they come across, estimated of one to two million. This is the children of Israel. These are, these are the children of Israel because their parents died in the wilderness. So God allowed them to come through, and who's leading them? Joshua, the son of Nun, leading these people into the promised land. So as they get closer to Jericho, they finally encamp, and now they need to go out and search the land. They need to see what they're up against, even though they know that God is on their side because God told Joshua, do not fear, for I'm with you wherever you go. They still need to go out and get the lay of the land. So here's what happens, and this is where we pick it up in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. This is a little bit different from last week, isn't it? Because last week, we talked about somebody named Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, if you recall what I said and what I read to you all, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Well, this week, there is a prostitute named Rahab at Jericho separated by about 1,500 years. This is an amazing comparison. Prostitute, disciple. How many of us have already formed the judgment in our minds? Come on, be honest. Ooh, she's a prostitute, ugh. And then we have Ananias, a disciple, yes. And somehow we, we, we choose a side, right? Maybe there's some of you in here that's like, hey, I'm going to pick. If I were like picking my team for God's Super Bowl, I'd pick Ananias. Would not pick Rahab. We have formed a judgment already. And the Bible calls this out specifically describes her as a prostitute. And I want to hang on to this because this is going to get, kind of give us a view of, of God's mercy 
because I believe there's some of you that's in here today that can relate to Rahab. Actually, as we move forward, every one of us is going to be able to relate to Rahab. And I think there's some of us in here I might relate to. No, I'm Ananias. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm following him closely. I'm all good. Nothing wrong with me. Nothing to see here. Study my Bible every day. Pray every day. Pray in tongues five hours a day. Good for you. You are no better than this prostitute that we're going to talk about today. I digress. The thing about it is that God chose them both. And even though we as people just naturally transition to outward appearance, right? I mean, we do that. You go to the mall, kids, you go to the mall. First thing you look at is their shoes, right? Yeah. It's not from Ten Toes Tulsa. It is not at all. Don't even, don't even look at it. I mean, if we're people working in the workplace, you know, we automatically see somebody who form a judgment, go to the store, go to Quick Trip, especially that one on Utica and 11th where there's homeless people everywhere, form a judgment because we are human and we have fallen short of the glory of God. So we're going to form judgments. And Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not lest you be condemned. By the measure of which you give is how you're going to receive. And see, this church is about rehabilitation. That we understand that we're all guilty. We all are sinful. We still sin today. If you don't, then you're lying. Because as soon as you have a thought that's not God's thought, you've just sinned. This church is about rehabilitation. It's about God getting you up off that table. And the paddles are his word to get you off the table. Because right now, I think there's people in here that think, well, I'm no good for God to use me. And there's some people in here that think they're too good for God to use them. And what I want to do is I want to bring it, bring it down to the middle, bring it down to brass tacks because we're getting right into the thick of what the gospel is all about and what God's mercy is all about. Oh, well, I'm going to go long today, I can tell. Okay, Joshua chapter 2, going into verse 2. And it was told... The king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you and entered your house, for they have come to search out all of the land. This is like adding insult to injury. The king hears through the grapevine that there's spies from Israel coming into his city. So the very first thing he does is he goes to the house of ill repute. Like, goes to the prostitute herself, who's over the harem. It's like, that's where, that's where people from the outside go. They go right into that house, right? Because that's where they have the lodging, that's where they have the good wine, and that's where they have the prostitutes. So the king is like offhandedly, like adding salt to her wound of who she is. The Bible is just further highlighting the fact that this woman is a prostitute. Verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me. 
but I did not know where they were from. Liar. Uh, Prostitute and a liar. (laughs) And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Liar. I love that. I know, I know that some of you are looking at this and like, you're like, man, not only is she a prostitute, but she is a filthy liar. I hate liars. See, again, we're looking at her through the eyes of humanity. We're looking at her through her outward appearance and what she's doing. And what God sees is her heart. What what I want so badly is for us to see people like God sees people. Now I understand. I understand there's sin. I understand we all still sin from time to time. We're human. That's why we need Jesus. I understand that it's easy for us to form judgments. But what I want so badly is for us, again, like I said, to see people through the eyes of Jesus. As soon as we can do that, the sooner I believe that God will use this church a whole lot more. Now, if I can, I'm going to digress a little bit more. I read an article yesterday, and I'm not going to tell you from where, that talked about how the church needs to be more political. The church needs to start calling out more, more political movements, and, and the church needs to start calling out sin more. Like, and they also listed several types of sin, abortion being one of them. You know, my job here and everything that I've seen in the Gospels is Jesus calling out people by their name, showing compassion and love. Yes, also repent, right? Repent. Go up, pick up your mat, and sin no more. Yes, those who have not sinned, let them cast the first stone. Daughter, get up and sin no more. Yes, there is that. There is, obviously, we need to repent. But if we go on the attack and start calling people out and start looking down our noses at them and not show compassion and love, yes, we're going to tell them in love that they are in sin. So all of us, for all have sinned, right? but we're going to love them and we're going to point them to the way where they can be clean of their sin and it's Jesus. He's the only way. So as we look at Rahab here and we're seeing her as a prostitute and as a liar, then remember, you're also looking at yourself in a mirror because we have all sinned. Verse 8, before the men lay down, She came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That's very key right here. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord 
dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when he came out of Egypt, and what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to this, she said, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life is for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. What is this all about, this exchange? She is recognizing that their God is her God. She has made that decision. She has driven the stake in the land. Some of you in here still needs to make that decision. Some of you online still need to make that decision. But here she's driving the stake into the ground. She's saying, your God is my God. And we have a healthy fear of our God. She talked about how these other two cities, Og and, and Sion, they, they, were, they were destroyed, devoted to destruction. She realizes that their place, Jericho, is the next one up. And she wants to be saved. Long before they showed up, she made the heart decision that their God is now my God. That's awesome. That's awesome. For any of you that feel like that you're not good enough to receive Jesus and his mercy and his love and his blessings, look at this woman, a prostitute and a liar. But not only that, and this is what I love about it, the statement she makes about who to save. Save my household. She said, save my skin first, no. She said, save my father, save my mother, save my brothers, save my sisters, that we are all allowed to live. That phrase that comes to mind is for me and my house. We choose to serve the Lord. And guess who said that? Going all the way to Joshua 24. So we're looking at however many chapters later. You can't do the math right now. <laughs> Thank you. He said that before he passed away. Where do you think he got that from? She was concerned about her household, her family. She was willing to lose her life so that others might be saved. She was willing to decrease so God could increase. Joshua 2, now we're going back to chapter 2, verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you. And hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to the oath of yours that you have made us swear. 
Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. This reminded me of Mary, when she said to the angel Gabriel, let it be done to me according to your word. (laughs) Then she sent them away and they departed. She tied a scarlet cord in the window. She tied this in her window. It was a, almost like getting water baptized, a visible witness of her faith in God when she tied this in her window. It happens to be scarlet, the color of Jesus' blood. This was a moment for her that she, just like she had heard about Egypt and the children of Israel in Egypt, how they painted the blood on their doorposts so that the death, angel of death, could, could pass over. It's the same thing. She was saying, God, I need you to save me as you're about ready to destroy the entire existence of everything that I've ever known. She wanted salvation to come into her house. And by tying this, she said, I believe and I know that your word is true and that you're going to save me from destruction. This was the salvation plan. This is a a, a microcosm of that salvation plan that God has planned since the beginning. Of how we as the world were destined for destruction. But he sent Jesus to die and be resurrected so that we, the chosen ones, would be saved. What hit me, and maybe it hit me a little too late, but I'm glad it hit me late, better late than never, that Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? (laughs) Now, I've been under a lot of Bible teachers, Jeff Jackson being one of them, Bob Yannian be another one, being my pastor for almost 23 years. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I will never read the story of Rahab ever the same again. How is it that a prostitute and a liar, that salvation has come to her house, but salvation also goes through her house to all of us? Now that should take your judgment level down just a little bit. Your condemnation leveled down just a little bit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew writes, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Go all the way down to verse 5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. 
And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king, all the way down to verse 16 as it continues. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. These cords represent, and you, you're holding one in your hands right now. Maybe you put it in your pocket. Maybe you lost it. But what does this represent? When you get to a point, and you might be there right now, and you're like, man, where is God? Grab onto this thing and remember that you're his child and that no matter what you've done no matter what you've did no matter who you are no matter where you came from his mercy his glory his blood has saved you not just for your sake but that it goes through your house to other people because this room needs to be filled we got a lot of empty chairs and what I don't want is for you walking around thinking you can't because you're right you can't but God can we learned that last week but what needs to happen is this idea that I am not good enough and the idea that I'm too good needs to decrease in order for God to increase through you to save others Joshua chapter 2, going to verse 22. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Her word, what she said about how she heard how God had delivered them out of Egypt, and how God was bringing them to their doorstep to destroy them, just like they destroyed Og. It's like her word and how she told them, these two spies, that Everybody here, their hearts are like melting away because they're so afraid. God used her and her word that the spies took and passed on to Joshua to encourage them that they're on the right track and they're about ready to do something tremendous and extraordinary. Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. But to, to the two men who had spied on the land. So this is where we go back to where we started. Where Joshua is now staring at the city of Jericho. And they're marching around. They're marching around. And of course they yelled. After the seventh time they marched around on the seventh day, the walls came down. They conquered the city. And this is what Joshua says. Go into the prostitute's house. And bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. 
So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and out, put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the what? Prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent to the spy out of Jericho. The prostitute's house. Rahab, the prostitute, even after she helped them, Joshua's still calling her the prostitute. They even put her and her family outside the camp. Why? She was unclean. According to the law, she was unclean. Get away from us. We don't want your uncleanness here, even after what she has done for them. Put outside the camp. That's why Jesus said that I've come to abolish, not to abolish the law, but to uphold it. But he came so that we are no longer having to live by it in the sense that now our sin is being held against us. Instead of putting us outside the camp, he's saying, get your filthy, dirty, sinful self in my camp. prostitute the prostitute's house Rahab the prostitute that should make you feel uncomfortable should make you feel very uncomfortable it makes me feel uncomfortable I read that I'm like why does the Bible keep saying the prostitute man that's making me uncomfortable because here's the reason why when we read it we see ourselves. When we read it, we see our sin. Then what happens? To hide it, to make us feel better, we start judging her. When we should look at the log that's in our own eye. The prostitute. The prostitute. Even James, the brother of Jesus, when he wrote the book of James, said in chapter 2, the prostitute Rahab. And Paul, when he wrote Hebrews chapter 11, the prostitute Rahab. She can't get away from it. But God saw her heart, and he used this ordinary prostitute to bring salvation not just to her house, but to us as well. When I see the prostitute, when I see the prostitute, I see, I see God's mercy. Every time I read it, I see God's mercy. Every time I see it, I see God's mercy. Every time I feel that uncomfortable feeling when I read it, I feel God's mercy.